0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Thursday, April 14th, 2022. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. Those of you watching on YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook, see the handsome faces of Mark Porter and the Dean, Bill Kerlick, and we will get to them in just a second. But a very important announcement about something we're going to be doing here going forward. One of the most popular segments we do after games is called What We Learned. It is Dave Biddle's kind of breakdown of the game, and it goes up right at the end of the game. The second you hear the final whistle, it shows up. Well, technology has crept in, and from now on, it's going to be called What We Learned Live, meaning this process right here you see on your uh, television or your YouTube or your Facebook or your Twitter This is going to be Dave right after the game. The very second, for example, starting this weekend, the very second the spring game is over, what we learned live will begin here. If you're in the parking lot, if you're at home, if you're in your car, wherever you are, the grocery store, you can follow along, you can ask questions, you can hear what Dave has to say live. This is going to be this way going forward for the season too. So you're going to get a video version of what we learned live immediately after the game. We'll have guests. We'll have appearances from the locker room, etc. So, the advent of technology has allowed you to be introduced to such handsome fellows as Mark Porter and Bill Kerlick. It's also going to let you go what we learned live. We are really excited about this. It will start Saturday after the spring game. Spring game is at noon. We're not sure exactly when it finishes. When the guys walk off the field, what we learned will start immediately. There'll be a, a video and podcast version later and even a text version after that. But you can join in live. We're really, really excited about this. I think it's got a lot of potential to be one of the best things we do, so we are in store for that and looking forward to it. Again, starts this weekend after the spring game. A very long-winded beginning. Bill, Mark, how goes it? Ready to go. It's going well right. this morning. Bill, topic of the day. Steve Wolfong, director of recruiting for 24-7 Sports, has placed a crystal ball for Dylan Rayola, a name a lot of us know because the former Nebraska center, his father, Dylan, played 14 years in the league and was really one of the best centers and probably is going up on the ring of fame in Detroit, if they even have one. First, let's go to Mark and get a report on what he thinks of Dylan Rayola. We have not done an official review of him yet. Mark has looked at some tape. And then, Bill, you can put into context, well, Rayola being crystal ball to Ohio state might mean in terms of dominoes. Take it, Mark.
2: Yeah. Uh, six three two ten. looks like a kid who's been in the weight room and you're going to give that credit right to his father. Offensive lineman's going to make this kid strong. And his uh, highlight film starts off with probably six throws where he's at least 50 yards out. And he just gently floats the ball. 50, 55 yards, 60 yards in the air. Uh, extremely accurate, deep ball thrower. Uh, pocket passer does have the strength and uh, mobility to move around in the pocket. He's not a stiff, true drop-back type, but he's pocket mobility. He'll beat you with his feet if he has to. But his accuracy and his arm strength are the two characteristics that jumped off the tape. As you watch him move around in the pocket, the Pat Mahomes no look passes or in vogue or whatever, he had two or three of those on film where he's shoulder and body's facing one way and his arm's going back across the body, and it's a dime. I mean, right on the kid's breastplate. And he put that on tape three or four times. So it wasn't lucky. It's actually something he has in his repertoire. And what that means is he can make the off-schedule fro- throws when he doesn't have a good base or a good pocket. And he's got to use all arm. He can do that. So there's a lot of things there you like about it. And he, he fits like the Stroud uh, mold. He probably moves around just as much as the Stroud would move around. But the arm strength really jumps off the, uh, the film. And they really featured that to start the film.
1: Before you go, Bill, I'd like to mention we've already had two hellos, one from Germany and one from Amon Jordan. So no pressure, Bill. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) Well, before I get on the uh, Rayola track, let's take a step back a little bit. Ohio State wants to land a great quarterback in every recruiting class. You know, they they got a great one uh, late in Devin Brown in 2022. And then, you know, you just go back. That's what they want to do. Um, 2023, uh, you know, they started out early, uh, Nico Leva from California camped at Ohio State. Uh, he was outstanding. Uh, they had Jackson Arnold up there. Uh, they offered Dylan, uh, Lonergan early, Eli Holstein from Louisiana early, Dante Moore from Michigan. Uh, more recently they offered Christopher Vizina, uh, from Alabama, uh, Vizina, of course, committed to Clemson this past week. Ilama Leva's already committed to Tennessee. So you, know, you can kind of see the, the, the dominoes falling for 2023. And when you look at it, Lonergan likes Ohio State a lot. He's probably going to make an official visit, but he's a big baseball guy. And getting a guy from the South to come up to Ohio State that loves baseball, that's not going to be an easy easy job. Uh, that, that, that may have a professional baseball career in mind too uh Dante Moore I think is likely at least right now going to go to Notre Dame Holstein is is seems more likely to stay in the south so right now it doesn't look like they're necessarily going to get a great 2023 quarterback but you know you, you look at that and I remember the same things being said about the 2022 and all of a sudden they pull Devin Brown out at the end and he's a great great prospect for them they like what they see so You know, I hate to say that they're not going to get a great 2023 quarterback because they always seem to do it. You know, between Ryan Day and Corey Dennis, they get it done. Now, that fast forwards, if they don't get a great 2023 quarterback, they really need a great 2024. And Rayola is as good as it gets. Um, You know, we're looking at two guys, Rayola and Jaden Davis from South Carolina. I like Rayola a little bit better. They're both top 10 prospects in the country uh rayola looked uh like usc what was probably going to be his destination and then here comes ohio state and if you saw it on our board this early this morning i was talking to uh blair angola the uh west coast guy for us arizona and so forth does a great job and talking last night and uh, uh sure enough steve wiltfong had crystal balled rayola ohio state and uh last night late last night uh uh, early this morning, Gula, ahead, went ahead and posted on our board that Rayola, I had mentioned to Blair that uh, I had been hearing that he might be coming back for the spring game, another visit. And sure enough, that is in the works. It's not certain, but it's in the works that he's going to be here this weekend for another visit with the Buckeyes. Um, he's trending Ohio state, no doubt about it. The one thing that, that, that uh, I, you know, hesitate yet to crystal ball in Ohio state is that he also has plans to make a visit to USC, and that happens to be the weekend after, April 23rd. So if he makes that USC visit, we'll see what happens, but maybe he goes ahead and not necessarily announces it, but maybe he goes ahead and commits to Ohio State this weekend. It's getting really interesting, as Blair and Steve and myself all feel. It's really tight now, Ohio State and USC, but things are trending Ohio State.
1: All right, Bill, I'm going to ask the question that's going to pop up on the thread immediately when you do that. Should Dylan, should Dylan Rayola commit to Ohio State, how would this affect class of 2025 quarterback Ryan Montgomery?
0: Well, yeah, that's uh, that, that is the obvious question. And, you know, I think the obvious answer is it's a little too early to say. I don't think Ryan Montgomery's afraid to compete against anybody. I think that if he feels Ohio State is the best place for him, that's where he'll go. Uh, Obviously, his brother is already committed to Ohio State and he is recruiting him. So, you know, with great players, they tend to think they are better than anybody. It doesn't matter. But with the quarterback, it's a little different because with running backs, you can have two running backs. With offensive linemen, you got a bunch of them and so on and so forth. But with quarterback, it's almost always one guy. You don't play two quarterbacks too often. So, you know, know, I think that that'll be an interesting situation. I don't think Ryan Montgomery will necessarily uh, be afraid of competition. In fact, I know he won't. But I think it's something that you have to take a look at.
1: I believe the NFL term is if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. So I think we all follow you there. Let's talk about a guy who did join the mix this week, Mark Fletcher, running back out of American Heritage in Fort Lauderdale, ironically, the same high school as Brandon Ennis, for those of you keeping score. He did commit. Mark, you did an evaluation on him. There's been a lot of questions about him. Let us know what he is as a player, and then, Bill, maybe how this affects running back recruiting, because, as I said, layup questions. Every story about Mark Fletcher includes a what-does-this-do-to-Richard Young question. Take it, Mark.
2: Yeah, uh, one of the threads on the board is we got our version of, and a lot of the Bucknutters were putting – who they thought he looked like in the comparison or the comp. And Dwayne was on that thread, and he doesn't like to do the comps, but a lot of people said Derrick Henry and these bigger backs, which there is no other Derrick Henry. There's only one of that guy. You you can't use that comparison. Uh, It's illegal. The NFL doesn't have another Derrick Henry, so high school doesn't have another Derrick Henry. So we kind of scratched that one off. But the one I thought of immediately, and because he was from Ohio, was Le'Veon Bell. And there's a few clips where – you know He's coming down the field, at you Fletcher is, and it looks like Le'Veon Bell's coming at you. The way he sets people up with the power, he looks like he's about to dip his shoulder on you and flatten you. And next thing you know, those feet dance, and he runs right around you. And the defensive back, they all have to do it. They all brace, put their head down, and get ready for the contact, and it makes them vulnerable. And as an evaluator, you say, well, is it better to beat someone with speed? Is it better to beat someone with a move? Or is it better to beat someone with a power? However, you can make someone miss. Backs like this don't need to be breakaway backs. You know, the next part of the discussion was, is he just a power back? No, power backs are just guys that slam it in there. Right. This guy has feet. There's there's a clip of him where he's in the hole. The, the linebacker or safety has him dead to rights. There's nowhere to escape. It's like he, you're in a phone booth with another guy. How do you get away? The other guy comes up with air. Again, it's that same thing. He looks like he's going to drop the shoulder and at 225 pounds, who else on the field can stand up to that when he's coming at you like a freight train? So they, it's, it's a thing that big backs have and possess, and Fletcher has it. Does he have the breakaway speed? No, but he has good speed. There's clips where he is pulling away from defensive backs, but in Florida there's some 160-pound guys back there that can absolutely fly. Is he going to run like a 160-pounder? No, but that's not his role in this offense. We have a running back right now that will run by 160-pounders all day long. So his role, you know, he's, he's not quite as fast as the Carlos Hyde. That was the other comparison. He's like the Carlos Hyde. He's got the stocky build, but he might not have that breakaway that Carlos did. That guy can really get on the open field and sprint. Are these traits that he picks up when he gets into the weight room here and he gets some speed training and that type of stuff? Maybe. There may be an extra half step left in his game that truly makes him that three-down special back, but I think what everyone's thinking right now is like a, a Lendell White role, a thunder lightning roll, where mm. you know he comes in and just does the takes some of the pressure off of the other back and takes some of the bigger hits. And it you see it happen. Sometimes the defense sets up for the bigger back, and when the lighter back comes in, they're off guard and vice versa. So that's kind of what uh you know, and we talked about it last week. Ohio State needs a variety of running backs. They can't just have all Trey, uh, Henderson's. They need to have a couple of each.
1: Yeah, Bill, they had something similar to this, I think with J.K. Dobbins and Master Teague when they were at their absolute best when Dobbins would kind of loosen everything up and there'd be a couple drives in the second half where you could give the ball to Teague and that kind of size-speed combo coming straight at you. Not fun to tackle. Like I said, though, everyone wants a fire and ice combo. Richard Young is the name. Are there any others, and how do you see it working out?
0: Well, right now, Ohio State has just four scholarship running backs on the roster. That's not enough. Now it goes to 5 when Dalen Hayden gets to Columbus in June. And that's that's okay. You, you the standard number for running back scholarship running backs on a roster like a high states is 5 or 6. So if they're 5 they're okay. You'd rather have 6. Uh, when Fletcher comes in, they will be, you know, in pretty good shape there, but if anybody leaves And that certainly happens. We know that if anybody leaves, then that that takes them back where two running backs in this class, the 2022 23 class, would be preferable. And that's what they're looking to to cover themselves with. You know, Richard Young has been at the top of the board. And I have said since last summer uh, when he visited Ohio State multiple times that it's likely going to come down to Ohio state, Alabama, and Georgia. And I still feel that way. He came out with his top schools, his final seven this week. And no, lo and behold, those three were on there. There are, they're going to be on there to the end. And I think they're going to be the three standing most likely at the end. Um, he's again, he's not afraid of competition. And this is a little bit different than quarterback. You, as you mentioned, Dave, or I uh, sorry, sorry, Dan, as you mentioned, you know, you, you you can have two running backs and get a lot of playing time still. Uh, there are two different types of running backs. So I don't think he's going to be afraid to come to Ohio State just because of Mark Fletcher. I think he'll come to Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia because that's the school that fits him best.
1: Okay, great. We're going to take a quick break for those of you listening to the podcast because we have a ton of questions for the guys, and we're going to hit them. So we'll take a break come right back.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: All right, we are back. I'm going to pop in some questions here and see what we can do. By the way, I can't believe we have people from Germany and Portugal's even checked in. We are everywhere. Okay, how about this one? Manny Ja? I believe he is our Portuguese representative. Since I asked about the wide receivers ranking, that was last time. That was the Garrett Wilson-Chris Olave chatter we had in the last show. What do you think of Chris Sims making Jeremy Ruckert his number one tight end? Should we keep the same energy? For those of you who don't remember, uh, Chris Sims I don't think has Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave in his top five receivers, so he's going for clicks there. But he does have Jeremy Ruckert on top. Were you guys big fans of Ruckert in Columbus? Do you think he was kind of underutilized and will be a better pro? What do you think?
2: You want me to go first? Yeah, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. And I think there's a misconception about the NFL. There's only a, a couple of Travis Kelsey's, Darren Wallers, and uh, the pits at you know, Atlanta, a receiving tight end, a guy that can run away from NFL safeties, NFL linebackers. Those guys aren't slow. Largely in the, the NFL, you see big tight ends that are like tackles they are 250, 260 pounds that have to be able to block a defensive end, or you simply don't have a running game. I think People want receiving stats for Ohio State tight ends to make them great. I think they judge the Ohio State tight ends based on how many balls they catch. And I think that's the wrong indicator of success for a tight end. I I played tight end. I hated blocking. All I wanted was to catch balls and get stats. But I think the value I had and the reason I played, and I played in front of two NFL tight ends, is because I could block. And I was rewarded to stay on the field when double tight end situations were around and even a third tight end or an H back, because that's the game. Okay, and getting the ruckert that's what he is. He's a dual threat tight end. He can catch the ball. He can run away from people. But at Ohio State, we run zone, we run power, and we get behind our tight end on the edge, and he seals that edge. It, we had many breakdowns week after week where Ruckert is sealing that edge, and those backs are running down the sideline or it's a jet sweep from a receiver, and the success of that play was dependent on him and him solely. And I don't think he the, the tight ends ever get the credit – for the Travion Henderson 60-yard run, where he is the one who set that edge. In the NFL, uh, I have a friend that played for the Patriots, and he said, Bill Belichick screamed 3,000 times, we need someone to set the edge, and that's the NFL football. If you can't set the edge with a tight end, and that's what makes Gronkowski so great is he's a bruiser in the run game, that's what Jeremy Ruckert should be in the NFL, an NFL tight end, and we can't get hung up on the receiving stats and stuff like that. Bill, and if, if Jeremy thing.
1: Ruckert comes to the Browns, how will you feel? <laughs>
0: I would feel pretty good. And I want to add one thing to what Mark said. Um, that is a – you talk about development, and Ohio State talks a lot about development. That is a skill, the blocking, that was developed at Ohio State by Ruckert. He was not that kind of guy in high school. He was more of a wide receiver in high school and a tight end body. He came to Ohio State, and they developed – that skill in him to be the type of blocker that Mark's describing that you need to be in the NFL.
1: I can just tell you I'm a Cowboys fan and Rucker is on their board. I would not be surprised if they pick him in the third round. He, he's a 10 year player in the NFL. You can, you can mark that down. I'm not saying he's going to be a pro bowl player. It wouldn't surprise me by the way, if he became that ultimate dual threat you, we were talking about bill. Cause like you said, he had a day at Elite 11, I think, back in the day where he was the number one player in camp. And you don't get that at Elite 11 for blocking. So uh, he's an impressive guy. Next question. Bill, back to quarterbacks. From Elks70. I don't think he's in Portugal. And if he is, my guess is he has some roots in the Centerville area. So is Jaden Davis coming to our spring game or Penn State spring game?
0: He's supposed to be at the highest State spring game. So we'll see. You know, it's recruiting. Things change. Kids change their mind at the last minute sometimes and go to a different place. But he is supposed to be at the Ohio State spring game.
1: And again, Jaden Davis, where do you put him in the mix, just to refresh our memory here?
0: Well, he's uh, the top two guys on the board are Rayola and Jaden Davis. They're both great players. Uh, You know, I saw Jaden Davis in person at Ohio State last summer. Great prospect. And, uh, uh, you know, I I think if – Gosh, I'd hate to say almost that I I guess I like Rayola a little bit better, but you you can win and win big with either one of these guys.
1: Okay, we had a long discussion about this before the show, and we're not going to go into some same detail. We need to have a discussion here. We talked about this. We need to have probably a whole show dedicated to the NIL and how things are going to change there. But one guy who's an example of maybe the NIL and Ohio State recruiting and how it will affect it is IMG receiver Carnell Tate. There were crystal balls rolled for him a while ago, and we've all thought he could be in the mix. It does seem like Carnell is enjoying the recruiting aspect and possibly the NIL offers aspect of things. He just visited Tennessee. I've come on, I've commented on here before that Tennessee's addition of Nicholas Iamaleva was really the first NIL maneuver that I've seen that kind of could potentially upset the power balance. Carnell Tate choosing Tennessee over Ohio State would be similar, Bill. What's your vibe?
0: Well, first of all, it, uh, like so many kids these days, uh, Carnell Tate, the NIL, will be important in his decision. He's indicated that. That's uh, not, you know, not something that I'm speculating on. Um, but that's the way it is with a lot of kids these days. NIL is important in their decision. Um, when you look at the way Ohio State is approaching things, Um, they're not necessarily approaching it exactly like all other schools. Each school is a little bit different. And Ohio State is approaching things more, I guess you would say. I think Mark referred to it this way, I believe. Uh, Or maybe it was you, Dan. And I I agree with it. They're looking at it, it the long game as far as the NIL. You know, if you come to Ohio State and you are developed and you become a starter or a great player if you become a starting wide receiver at Ohio State you're going to get paid big it's going to come down the road with your NI deal when you become a star at Ohio State and then eventually become a first round draft choice and that payoff is going to be bigger um, than any payoff that you're going to get uh, going into a school for an NIL deal um, you know, that's the way more that Ohio State is approaching it, the long game of come here, become a starter. You're going to be a, a first-round draft choice if you're a wide receiver. And look what guys like uh, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and so on are doing and going to get in their NIDL uh, deals. So it'll be interesting to see which way Carnell Tate looks at that But I think Ohio State's got a great, great base to sell him on that. And I still give Ohio State the slight edge over Tennessee, uh, but I'm not ruling out Tennessee.
1: I think you made an important distinction there, Bill, in that they're not telling him you're not going to get paid at Ohio State. They're saying, yes, you're going to play the long game, and obviously Ohio State has a tremendous track record of putting guys in the NFL. But if you come to Ohio State and and you are as advertised, you will get paid (laughs) in Columbus. So um, guys who are afraid of competition may go elsewhere. I tend to do that. I mean, that's just me and me being a Buckeyes fan maybe. But if a guy chooses another squad because the competition isn't as tough, I tend to think good. Um, Guys who don't want to fight that way, I'd rather not have them in the mix. So if guys are really going to choose to go somewhere else just for money, Given the fact that Ohio State's a proven payoff down the road, I hate to say this, but they can go. Um, Go ahead.
0: And by the way, Dan and and Mark, um, Mark and I stood there last summer at Ohio State's camp and watched Cornell Tate, and we both remarked, and, and you can add in here, Mark, This guy looks like an Ohio State wide receiver out there who should be demonstrating to these kids. And he's a junior in high school. He was that good. So you think he can't come here and play at Ohio State? (laughs) Mark, you can let in.
2: Yeah, I actually commented to one of the Ohio State coaches. I'm like, which one of your guys is working out with these guys today to demo the routes for him because he was the first guy in line? I'm like, oh, they must be using one of their guys to show these kids how to do the drills. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's a junior in high school. And, you know, we, like you said, we could talk about this NIL thing for a whole show, and I, I could go in this big circle to make a point. But I was listening to the NFL radio, and I know Dan's a draft guy, and they were going through the NFL GMs in their draft hit percentage. And they were talking about each guy. This guy had 89 picks. He's hit on 16. This guy had 64 picks. He's hit on 11. And the general rate for the NFL to get a starter was about 30 or 40% from a draft. Some guys were picking well below that. Okay. So the NFL realized that when they're picking quarterbacks and giving them all that money in the first round, they, that they didn't want to do that anymore. And they kind of backed quarterbacks off four or five years ago where they didn't get paid all that money. So a lot of these schools, like Tennessee, and this is what I'm going to make the point, that want to pay freshmen and not pay the seniors, or maybe not pay the seniors as much, but use all their money to bring in a class the college bust rate is about 70%. So I think the rest of college football is content to let guys like Carnell Tate or I'm a Laver, or Let's say there's 20 of them that just want to go for the money. Let those kids go for the money. The bust rate on those 20 kids is probably going to be seven of them hit 13 of them don't. And the schools that pay up front are going to find out just like the NFL did good. You want to throw money at guys that haven't proved a thing yet. You're playing a very dangerous game. And then the last part of this is I would argue that Ohio State's bus percentage isn't anywhere near 30%. percent you got four receivers that are going in the first round right now. you got quarterbacks that are going repetitively in the first round right now. So like you're saying, you can come to Ohio State and say, hey, we can almost guarantee you if you get into our starting lineup, this is what's going to happen, and it's first round top of the mountain type of money you're going to get where, you know, I hate to get that geeky with the percentages and, you know, what's going on, but this NIL money is going to be just like the NFL with the salary cap. Every college team is going to have a cap. In Ohio State's cap is going to be bigger than Kent State's. There's no, you know, debating that. But there's only so much money to go around on a team.
1: There's no question. Like, we, like Mark said, this is uncharted waters. We've never really done this, at least above board. And so it's all getting regulated. And like you said, Ohio state players, the guys who have stayed have all gotten paid. It's not, I mean, Terry McLaurin is about to sign a contract for $25 million a year. He never spent a day on the depth chart above number three. So if you can't see yourself fighting it out, you shouldn't even come here. All right, Bill Bexley checks in from Southeast Asia. And this show is just an international force. That is obvious. Next move. If we miss on AJ Harris.
0: Well, as as I put on bug nuts earlier this week, uh, unless something drastic changes, they're not, they're going to miss on AJ Harris. Uh, As of right now, he's not, he does not have an official visit scheduled back to Ohio state. That's probably not going to happen. He's going to go elsewhere unless something else changes. So I wouldn't say if I would say right now it's, you know, the the AJ Harris is not going to be a Buckeye. Um, But as far as who's next, I think uh, uh, Kay and Lee is a guy that I crystal balled to Ohio State. I think it was yesterday or the day before out of Georgia. Outstanding cornerback. And, and I like Ohio State's chances, obviously, a lot. Uh, I wouldn't have crystal balled him to Ohio State. And, and I, you know, my picks aren't based on a leader at the time. I'm more, uh, more conservative. My picks are based on, I want to make that pick one time and be right and, and not switch those picks around. So, you know, picking him, I obviously like Ohio State a lot for for Kay and Lee. So that would be the guy. And then after that, a guy that not a lot of people are talking about right now that was here uh, with all the South Florida guys, South Florida Express guys, is Sharif Denson. He is from uh, Jacksonville, Florida. He's on that uh, South Florida Express team. He's very good. He's absolutely very interested in Ohio State. Uh, I would say he and perhaps Kristen Gray Christian Gray uh, from Missouri is another one to keep in
1: mind. Mark, you see below Paul Edworthy, a fine fashionista. Tell Mark I need that hat. Where did he get it? Mark has a beautiful, for those of you listening, he has a beautiful Bucknuts State of Ohio, Scatting Ohio vibe hat. He will put on the thread.
2: Dan is uh, – Dan must, not, Yeah, Dan and uh, Bill must not be golfers, because if you go in any golf shot right right now, Travis Matthew attire is hot. This is a Travis Matthew hat that has the Buckeye or the State of Ohio logo. And then I had to go bribe some embroiderer to put the uh, Bucknuts logo on it. So it looks really good, the, the silver and the, you know, oh, scarlet gray and the Bucknuts logo. So it's like, kind of like a one-of-a-kind hat. And it's probably the most expensive hat I've ever bought in my life. Because Travis hat- Matthew hats are $20 more than they should be. And to bribe the logo lady was more than it should have been. But your compliment made every penny I spent on this hat worth it.
1: All right. Let's finish with this. Um, what, from Jay Henry Miller, what are the Buckeyes' chances of getting Kay and Lee? We've already discussed Kay and Lee. Mark has a review of him on the site, too. You can search for that. Caleb Downs. That's a guy I want to talk about, Bill. This is a top-of-the-board type guy. I think he's the number one safety according to the composite and 24-7 sports. Another guy in the South. Let's finish with your vibes on Caleb Downs, and then we'll finish off maybe talking about the spring game a little bit.
0: Well, uh, Caleb Downs is is, uh, an elite safety, and he visited Ohio State uh, recently during the spring here. Right before uh, he was getting ready to visit, I put on our site that this is a guy not to sleep on, that uh, Ohio State was absolutely in the thick of things. They were deep and serious in contention for Caleb Downs, and and that got a lot of people pretty excited about it. He visited Ohio State. It went very well. It was a Sunday visit uh, right after he visited Alabama, and lo and behold, I think that those are probably the two schools his decision is going to come down to, Ohio State or Alabama, at least that, right now. Uh, that's how I feel. I don't have a good enough feel to pick either school right now crystal ball but ohio state is very serious very serious in contention for caleb downs
1: and we will keep an eye on that we appreciate our guys being here today we went over 30 minutes and took as many of your questions as we could remember the spring game is this weekend noon start what we learned live We'll begin immediately afterwards. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. For the first time ever, you'll be able to participate in what we learned live. You'll be able to comment, question, and talk to Dave right away, and then you'll get podcasts and text versions after that. Please fire any questions you have for us in this thread. We really really appreciate the Dean, Bill Kerlick, and Mark Porter of Scouting Ohio and Bucknuts stopping by. Have a good one, Bucknutters.